Welcome to the latest edition of the Tennesseans Predators Podcast. I am Adam Vingan, Predators reporter for USA Today Network Tennessee here uh, at the Tennessee offices in downtown Nashville. I haven't really been home much lately, so it's nice to be in the office and nice to be back in Nashville uh, alongside our columnist, our venerable columnist, Joe Rexrode, jack of all podcast trades. Does that mean old? Does that mean old? Venerable, venerable means, res- means old. It means respected. Oh, okay. Yes. All right, I'll take that. Then. There you go. Good we, word. There you go. I'm always good for a good SAT word every once in a while. Don't mess with Vingan and Scrabble. <laughs> I've actually have not. I'm not as good at Scrabble as you would think, um, or crosswords. Um, but anyway, as I said, the Predators are, are finally back in Nashville. They just finished a stretch of games nine of twelve on the road, um, and now they're at home for a while. Uh, they start a five game homestand as we record this on. Uh, early Tuesday afternoon against the Edmonton Oilers. Then they go on their five-day mandatory uh, bye week, followed by four home games right after that. Um, So five in a row at home and eight of nine uh, at Bridgestone Arena upcoming. A very big opportunity for the Predators uh, to make up uh, some ground uh, in a very cramped Western Conference where uh, they ended the first half of the season in third place in the Central Division. I mean, that speaks to how good... Uh, the parody that the league also always likes to uh, to trumpet uh, when the Predators, who at one point won 16 of 20 games not too long ago, wouldn't have home ice advantage in the playoffs if they started at if they started today. Um, but a very big opportunity here for the Predators uh, to be able to uh, make up some ground on the teams in front of them. I mean, they have four games in hand on the St. Louis Blues. Uh, and I believe two games in hand as we record this on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so, well, let's start with this past road trip. The Predators played three road games in the uh, Pacific Division um, against the Vegas Golden Knights, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, they finished that trip with a 1-1-1 and record, 3 nothing loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, and their inaugural trip to Las Vegas, which I'd like to talk about just going to Las Vegas for a hockey game for the first time. Uh, they lost the game. They had no business losing uh, 3-2 in overtime to the Arizona Coyotes and then rebounded with a 4-3 regulation victory at Staples Center against the Los Angeles Kings. So some things to like, some things not to like. Uh, Joe, I know that you've been very busy uh, with the Titans playoff run, a uh, very big win in Kansas City that the Predators watched as much as they could from Los Angeles before their game against the Kings uh, because it was, a, I believe, a one thirty-five start time on the West Coast for that Titans-Chiefs game. Uh, but I know that you've al- you're always paying attention to the local professional hockey team. So I guess what were your impressions of that road trip? Uh, what did you like and what didn't you like? I would like to, I would like to point out that... After the Titans-Chiefs uh, game in Kansas City, we were back at the hotel eating. There were many Nashville media members there, but only one had the Predators game on the phone watching every second of it. That and would that, be That you. was me, Adam Vingan. That's right. Well, you are very good at making sure that you keep in touch with other sports while you're covering other sports by watching them on your phone. It's, yeah, the phone, the phone you know, the, it's, a, it's a, been a great thing in the last couple of years and maybe I'm like late on it, but <laughs> cause I've only been doing it for a couple of years, but yes. it's, it's nice. And I thought that was a huge response because like you said, you don't, you in don't want yes. you don't want to do anything, but get two points when you play Arizona. I mean, you, you have to get the two points, but to go and win for the second time 
in LA against that team, a really good team. I mean, that, that was, that was a nice response. And, and, and of course you want to have a good feeling going into this bye week, you know, uh, You've written this. They've they've stumbled a little bit. They're missing their best player. But like you said, I mean, they're still in good position. And I, and I think this second half is, you know, especially if they get Forsberg back, maybe it'll strengthen them. I'd like to th- know what you think on that, if there's an upside to this. Maybe that rest helps him in the postseason. I'm just sort of thinking of random things right now. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, that that was that seemed like a big win to me. I think it was, and I think from an individual standpoint, it was a very redemptive victory for Austin Watson, who... Two goals! Two goals, his first uh, career two-goal game in the regular season, uh, but also he committed the penalty yeah. at the end of the game in Arizona that led to the game-tying goal uh, that sent the game to overtime, which they ultimately lost after the goal was reviewed twice in a row. Um, which was weird. <laughs> yes. Um, but... It, it was a big victory for them, I think, against a team that you know is very high up in the standings and in the Pacific Division, um, a team that they may have to get through to get back to the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, the game in Arizona, I mean, that was a, you know, Peter Laviolette will say that he liked the first 55 minutes of that game. That first period may have been one of their best first periods of the season in terms of shots and generating scoring chances. I mean, they had you know, more than I can count on two hands, but they weren't able to score, which has been this team's problem during this three, four, and two stretch, uh, is that their offense has dried up a little bit. Not having Philip Forsberg certainly uh, doesn't help. And to your point, I guess the benefit, if there is one, is you get to see what else you have. I mean, Pontus Aberg getting some run on the top line with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson, both of whom acknowledged to me last week that they need to play a lot better especially without Philip Forsberg. Um, you know, I like to look at, um, in terms of enhanced statistics, I always like to look at line statistics um, and see how three players play together uh, and how certain players play without other players next to them. And, and Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson, you know, their puck possession numbers and their goal differential and their scoring chance differential takes a big hit when Philip Forsberg isn't playing with them. But of course it would for anybody because Philip Forsberg is that good. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good for a player like Pontus Aberg to get that chance. And it's also good for players, star players like Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson and Kyle Turris and others of their ilk to step up and, and fill the void of a player who, you know, is missing games for the first time as a full-time NHLer. Um, you know, but that trip started all the way back uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, and that was my first opportunity to watch live NHL hockey in Las Vegas. And it was a good experience, I think. Um, you know, that T-Mobile Arena is a really nice building. It's relatively new. You know, the crowd was great. Uh, there were a ton of Predators fans there. Um, I, I tweeted out a picture that night uh, as I was walking to the arena. Doors hadn't opened yet, so in the main plaza of T-Mobile Arena where people were waiting to get into the building, it was mostly Predators fans in terms of the jerseys. Lots of gold uh, in Las Vegas. And I think that's really what's been happening uh, throughout the season is that uh, opposing fans have certainly uh, traveled in mass to, to Las Vegas and all mostly all of them have left upset because Vegas doesn't lose at home. Um, I mean, I saw, you know, I was following along during that game, Adam, and at one point you sent out a tweet. It was like, you know, this is, this team is just awesome or something like that. That's what it looked like on TV too. Like, man, these guys, that's the first time I've watched the Predators where I was like, 
that team is just flat out faster than they them. are the you fastest team in the league. I think. I mean, they really do. It's just amazing. I understand. We knew that it was going to be a better than normal expansion team because of the way things change and all that. But it's pretty amazing, isn't it, that they've been able to find that mix and and that many difference makers out of you know the expansion draft. I mean, it, it's. It's certainly, it's certainly, it's, what's funny is another, another tweet that, you know, if I ever get the, a, a Joe Rexroad like or, or, or retweet on Twitter, I know it's a good tweet it's because like you're, gold, you're a very discerning Twitter audience. <laughs> um, somebody tweeted at me something about the Vegas Golden Knights, and I tweeted something to the extent of, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights continue to make NHL history fastest expansion team to be loathed by opposing fans. <laughs> um, because of, uh, you know, it was unfair and, you know, people were saying that the Predators 20 years ago didn't have that same benefit. Of course they didn't. I mean, first of all, the talent level in the NHL is much better now than it was 20 years ago. And the rules, yes, were much different then than they are now. And I'm sure David Poyle would have loved to have the rules that George McPhee had 20 years ago, but that didn't happen. Um, and when when Seattle inevitably shows up in the NHL in a couple of years, they'll have the same rules and the team will be good again. Um, probably. And it'll be another trip that you'll enjoy. Yes. I've actually never been to Seattle. Uh, and that was actually my first trip to Las Vegas. Um, so uh, certainly, I, it was certainly a good atmosphere. Um, you know, it was a little loud. You know, like, I, I'm not old. You know, I'm still under 30 years old. It was old. too loud for but you? It was still, but, I mean, like, there's a difference between, you know, I mean, I don't mean loud in terms of the crowd. The crowd was very loud and the crowd was very energetic. But in terms of the music and the... And I feel like this is a it's Vegas, it, man. It's a, it, well, that, it's funny because actually my parents came. My parents tr- came to Las Vegas. I didn't get to see them over Christmas. So they came to Las Vegas um, and my, they went, they attended the game and I spoke to them after the game. And my dad had a, you know, a very good time. And my mom was like, it was very loud and very contrived. And I said, mom, that's what Las Vegas is in general, is very loud and kind of contrived. Was there but, any like Wayne Newton involvement? In no, but Paul Schaefer sang the national I, anthem. Well, I saw that. Yes. He didn't actually, it didn't sound great, but no. it was still, I mean, Paul Schaefer. Yes. Pretty so cool. that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think that they really have something working there. And to, what I was going to say was, I feel like this is a new phenomenon in sports. Uh, of course, you have a PA announcer, the guy who sits for hockey in between the penalty boxes, know who announces the goals and when they come onto the ice but i feel like teams now have those mcs like those floating guys that are in the crowd and hype up the crowd right you know their their version was a little too in your face for me there's a lot of screaming into the microphone you're already amplified you don't have to scream into the microphone but this is old man yelling at cloud right now but uh (laughs) uh anyway all being all that all being said, I thought it was a really great atmosphere, and for the Predators fans who went, even though their team got shut out uh, and lost, I think they had a good time. As I was walking around downtown Las Vegas uh, while I was there, saw a lot of Predators uniforms and Predators shirts. Um, saw it in the casinos as well because I mean, most hotels in Las Vegas are casinos as well. Uh, so they were staying and spending their money and having a good time, and I feel like Predators fans got to see what it's like for other fans to come to Nashville. Because I feel yeah, like before right. Vegas arrived, Nashville was the spot for for visiting fans to travel in mass and have that sort of, you know, and have that sort of quote unquote non traditional experience. So I think Ve- so I think Nashville fans got to see what other fans experience when they come to Nashville by going to Las Vegas. Yeah. So well before we get off Vegas, a couple couple things. First of all, I mean 
did you go to Cirque du Soleil? I did. did you, you good to, okay. I did. I went to see the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil Holy at cow. Mandalay Bay. It was awesome. And I know you would like that too, because I know you're a big Michael Jackson guy. Oh, that'd be it, awesome. It was great. It was great. Okay. Uh, did you did you like play some craps? Did you hit a buffet? I, a Treasure I, Island buffet is really good. Well, I, I didn't play any craps. Craps is my father's game, and he did win some win some cash. I'm more of a slot machine guy or a blackjack guy, so that's that's where I kept my that's where I kept it. But I also set myself, and I think you know NHL general managers would certainly understand this. I set myself to a hard cap. Yeah, like I said, all right, this is I, I'm I'm going to take this much money out, and it wasn't a lot because I'm not a betting man. But so I took it out, and I said, all right, I'm going to spend this and play with this and see what happens, and. And that's what happened. We didn't. I didn't get any of it back. Did it go fast? No, I actually, I actually kept it going for a little while. Uh, but I ultimately, that's the, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, the house always wins, fun hanging, right? Exactly. The so, house always. Another thing, though, no we, buffet. We talked by about the way. this. No buffet. Okay, next time. You, too you, much money for not for too much food. If they play, hey, if they play in the. Uh, in the playoffs, we'll go to a lot of buffets. Okay, I mean, you, like you, you know that the buffet, the buffet. I stayed at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, um, which is for sports writers. It's a Marriott property, so of course you always like to stay there. Um, they had their buffet was forty nine dollars per person. Oh, wow! And I can't imagine a, a world where I'm spending forty nine dollars. I, that I'm eating forty nine dollars worth of food at the buffet. Yeah, I mean, unless you're having like four prime ribs. Yeah, know, yeah, and it's not. Like we'll it's have like, to find. We'll have to find a cheaper buffet. Yeah, there are. There are. Okay. Uh, trust me. Yeah. Okay. Another another question: the Golden Knights official Twitter account because we yes. haven't talked about this. Yes. With the idiotic tweet that like people, you know, Nashville media members yes. were clapping, which is complete. I mean, I wasn't there then, but it completely untrue. Did it right. behave itself? You know, is it has it got any? But I haven't really followed along. I mean, it be I, you know the thing about the Golden Knights Twitter account, and I and I think they, you know, they've made it to the 40, 40 game mark of the season in their inaugural season, and twice have had to apologize. From the you know officially like an, an actual written apology. The other for, was the, for two uh, things. Was the Ted thing. The right? Ted thing. Yes, yeah. when they were playing the Bruins, and for those who have seen the movie Ted, the scene where Mark Wahlberg's character is lifting off all of the women uh, with the with, with the female names uh, that he of the trashy women that he you know that that you know that typically yeah, it's, hard, it's really hard to get into plot yeah stuff it's really ted, hard to get into yeah. plot with ted but like i didn't really find that tweet to be I, I mean i i didn't see it as offensive as first as much as i just saw it was a really bad joke that didn't land um but i can i can un- certainly understand why people found it to be offensive and then of course uh the tweet that upset uh those of us in the nashville media uh you know i think one thing that they can certainly learn from a twitter account that I think revolutionized um, social media. Snarky sports Twitter yes, accounts? the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, several years ago, that was their shtick. But I feel like they continue to do it without being over the top. Like, it, it's, it's, it's... There's, there's yeah. a fine line, yeah. as they like to say. Yeah, I, I think that Vegas will find a groove eventually. But their Twitter account, I have found, has lost a lot of its luster as do you know who? Do you know who? I do. Does it? Yes. Okay. Um, I feel like that person shall remain nameless. Yes. I feel like their. I feel like their Twitter account has lost a lot of its. I mean, at first, I think there was a certain novelty, um, but I think um, sometimes we all have friends like this, right? Um, who think they're funnier than they actually are. I think that's what the Vegas you, Twitter. You account have coworkers is right now. like that. Yes, I do. Is it you? It's certainly not me. I know I'm not funny. Um, But uh, 
I, I think that they're at that stage now where they think they're funnier than they actually are. And I think they'll eventually realize that they'll have to tone it down while still being entertaining. Um, so You've been called out. Yes, Vegas, Vegas Twitter, Twitter account. account. Um, you know, like I can talk, right? I mean, though I should, I no, will. You s- have a great account because I love Simpsons clips. Yeah, so that's. Really but did what you it's also appreciate my loosest slots in Vegas tweet from that game? Did you happen to see that one? I, that I, was my best tweet of the season. I missed my it. Yeah, Catch me up. The, in the first period, it was back and forth, right? I mean, it was every just every five seconds there was a high quality scoring chance. So I tweeted that the loosest slots in Vegas were in between the circles at T-Mobile Arena. Oh, yes. oh boy. There you go. Man. That, that's me. That's me. Well you know, done. That's me appreciating my own work. Uh, I'm sure everybody. <laughs> Take note, Vegas I, Twitter I'm account. Sure, that's how you do it. I'm sure everybody listening will be rolling their eyes or making comments that I'm, you know, that I, that I toot my own horn too much and that I shouldn't be followed on Twitter because that's happened before. Oh, um, so anyway, let's move haters on. Haters are going to hate, Adam. Haters are going to hate. So, so, they're, so they come back from that road trip, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They play tonight, uh, Tuesday, against the Edmonton Oilers, who are cratering as we speak. Uh, Unbelievable. Know, just a terrible season. Most disappointing team in the league, uh, in my opinion. Um, they're pretty much out of it by I this mean, point. Who had? Who would have possibly guessed a twenty-one point gap between Vegas and Edmonton right now? The other, like the other way, they would have. Yeah, I mean, people were picking Edmonton as a little kind of a vogue little uh, title. Well, after team. they had the yeah. season they had last year, yeah, they absolutely. should have been. But you know, all of their players who had these incredible seasons last year, you know, with the exception of Connor McDavid, who's going to be good no matter what, have just completely fallen off the face of the earth. Particularly Cam Talbot. You know, he started, I think, like 73 games last year and was a great goaltender, and he's been really bad this year. Um, but their defense is bad, too. Their defense so. isn't great either, but, you know, unless Chris Russell is shooting the puck into his own net. But, um, you know, they, they've got a tough – These they have a, in this 8 of 9 stretch at home, they've got a lot of tough games. I mean, they play Vegas for the third time coming out of the bye week. Uh, they play Tampa in a couple of weeks, and what many people will believe uh, is a Stanley Cup final preview. Um, I think the Rangers come to town uh, in that stretch as well. Um, and then Don't the, forget the Blackhawks. And then the mm-hmm. Blackhawks, so always a good time. Blackhawks, the last place Chicago Blackhawks, who are scratching Brent Seabrook tonight against the— uh, I actually don't remember who they're playing off the top of my head, but Brent Seabrook is being scratched tonight. Wow. So I mean, But they're doing the right thing. They're obviously not getting results, so they're making the necessary changes— uh, which is what you should be doing. Um, but what I what I wanted to, the 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 crux of our conversation to be today is uh, you know I posted on Tennessean.com on Monday and it is in the Tuesday print section the sports section next to your great column on Marcus Mariota in which you call out Taylor Lewan for not understanding how uh, you know how accommodating national media is when it comes to Gosh. <laughs> yes we we should talk about that at another time because I, I enjoyed your little aside about that I mean, and believe me Taylor Lewan's like our go-to quote, but sometimes like, really? Yes. Essentially what Taylor Lewan said was that the Nashville media spends too much time crucifying the Tennessee Titans and that the, the Nashville media that covers the Tennessee Titans should do more to buoy Marcus Mariota. Lift him up, yeah. Yes. All we do is make excuses for him. But, but it, the, what relates to this is that someone tweeted at us, and, and I, I, I get this sense from people sometimes, and they said, well, what he really means is that you guys rip the Titans whenever you get a chance, but you never rip the Predators. You just, you know, and I know you immediately took offense to that, but um, 
it's interesting. And, and of course, my response is, well, I think last year during the regular season, there was a lot of what's happening with this team. Well, and, we'll get to that yeah. with the with the mid. I, you know, I joked that I was much kinder with my midseason grades this year. Last, excuse me, yeah, much kinder this year than I was last year. Amazing how that relates to performance, right? Exactly. I mean, last year. I mean, so we'll talk about this. So to set it up, I want to do a little peer review, which we both did in college, I'm sure. Um, where you know I, I presented four key areas um, that I wanted to grade the Predators in. Star power, uh, complementary pieces, consistency, and expectations. Last year, I did three of those four. Uh, the one I switched was last year. This year, I did complementary pieces. Last year, I did emerging talent because I feel like they had a lot of younger, younger players uh, emerging last year. You know, Victor Arvidsson, UC Soros, Kevin Fiala, etc., uh, this year, I, I went more with the complementary pieces. Uh, but last year, for the Predators, for consistency, I think I gave them a D. And I know for sure that at expectations, I gave them a big fat F. Because last year, they were expected to be a Stanley Cup finalist, which they ultimately were. But at the halfway point of the season, they weren't in the playoffs. Where's Taylor Lewan whining about you? Yeah, so mm. there you go. An F. An F. But this year, I did not give them an F. So I'm gonna we're going to go over it grade by grade, and then I'm going to explain my rationale for why I gave them the grade, then I want you to give me your grade and see if they mesh. So the first, for the first uh, grade I gave was for star power. I gave them a B plus, mostly because I felt as if though that most of their hope, many of their high profile players have delivered as expected, but there are others that have more to give. I mentioned that Philip Forsberg, before he got hurt, uh, was having a star making first half. He was nearly on a point per game pace. He was on pace for nearly an 80 point season. Uh, I, I singled out Kyle Turris because I think he had significant influence on this team, you know, skyrocketing up the standings in November and December, has 19 points in 26 games for the Predators. Um, I mentioned the defense in general has, you know, continued to be the league's best, despite not having Ryan Ellis for 38 games, that Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, and Matias Ekholm have all had great individual seasons. You know, I mentioned Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson as players that both have more to give, and they both know they have more to give. But mostly, I think the players that needed to step up have stepped up, gave them a B plus. What's your grade, and, and how would you explain it? Yeah, no, I think you're right on there. I mean... Like, is Subban a Norris candidate this year? For sure. I, I mean, certainly think he is. And I know you know, like he made a big mistake the other night, but, man. I, but he did make up for it. He made up for it. I, I, I just I think he's just been so good. Uh, like you said, the, all those guys have been great. I mean, the only thing, the only knock I think you can make is just Johansson. You want him to score more goals. You want him to be more aggressive, look for his own shot more, and just produce more. I mean, I know Arvidsson's had a little lull here, but you know he's still got twelve goals, twenty five points. Other than he's Joe still Hansen, ahead of his pace. He's actually ahead of his goal scoring pace from this time last year. He ended up with thirty three. He had a very good second half last year. And as you said, Forsberg. I mean, you know, before he got hurt, and especially really early. But I mean, he's just a force. So I, I guess I'd go B plus two. I would take off a little slice for Johansson to get in the second half and and be a little bit more aggressive as a scorer, but. I mean, that's and live all up to I the eight million dollar contract. Yeah, I mean, he just signed a big deal. No, but you know, I still also think that he does a lot of creating out there. Yeah, and for he's sure. Still a physical force on both ends. But yeah, that's the only quibble I could have. You know, what I find interesting about Ryan Johansson is that if you look at, uh, you know, if you want to dig into statistics deeper, deeper, like I like to do from time to time, you can look at. I think like a good, I think a good statistic to that 
that you can look at to determine a player's value is penalties drawn versus penalties taken. You know, you look at the players who get the teams on the power play and prevent them from getting on the penalty kill. Now, Ryan Johansson's penalty taken versus drawn differential is very low. You know, he doesn't draw a lot of penalties, and he takes a lot of penalties. You think a player like Ryan Johansson, who's a big body, yeah. who, who, you know, who's a playmaker, who when he gets his, when the puck is on a stick and he's in the corner or, or driving, it's hard to knock him off the puck. He doesn't draw a lot of penalties. I found that to be very interesting. I think it's worth looking into. And that, uh, to me, that probably speaks to a little bit of, at times, just go in there and be like he did in the playoffs exactly. last year. I mean, he, he gets rid of that puck so fast, and he moves it so well, and he sets up great <laughs> shots for other people. So you can't argue with that but yeah there are times it's like go in there and use your body and 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 bowl in there and do something i think he had a good do that yeah i think he had a good play in like the opening 30 seconds of the king's game he had the puck behind the net and instead of looking for a pass he just drove it around and did a sweeping backhand which jonathan quick stopped but i thought it was what he should have done in that play yeah so we agree on that so the next segment was complementary pieces. So the secondary scores, the depth contributors. Um, I said, you know, based on what we saw in the playoffs last year with how many guys stepped up and had big uh, postseasons that, you know, weren't expected to, that's why the Predators, in a lot of ways, made it to the Stanley Cup final. You look at, you know, you look at Colton Sissons and what he was able to do in the Western Conference final and the Stanley Cup final. You look at, you know, players like Harry Zollner, Chuck, your, your boy, Harry Z, um, and Vernon Fiddler and Cody McLeod and Pontus Aberg and, you know, all uh, players like that who have been able to step up. This year, you know, I, I singled out a couple of players in particular, Craig Smith, uh, who's had a great season, who's on pace for career high and already has more goals than he did last year. Uh, Kevin Fiala, who had a nine-game point streak in December and had eight goals in December in that nine-game point streak, which was second most in the NHL. I mean, UC Saros has been really, really good over the last couple of months. Had a rough start, uh, but is uh, undefeated in his last eight appearances, um, which includes seven games that he received a record for because one of them was in a relief appearance. Um, but 4 and 3 I think it was a 172 goals against average and maybe like a 949 save percentage, um, something along those lines. Very good numbers, which he'll need to continue to do to get Pecorine fresh for the stretch run. We should have mentioned Pekka in the Stars. Yes, we should have. He's been uh, pretty good. He's been very good, too. I did not mention him in the story, uh, but he has been very good. Uh, So I gave them B-plus as well. I think that the Predators, uh, you know, Kelly Yarncroke was a player I didn't mention in the story, has been very good, um, had a very good run. Uh, late last month uh, when he was on the line with Philip Forsberg and Pontus Aberg, very successful, um, on pace for a career high as well. Um, and there are other players in there as well. I mean, the Predators signed a trio of depth defensemen on Tuesday to new contracts, Yannick Weber, Matt Irwin, and Anthony Potato, all of whom have come in on the third pair and played very well. And we'll talk about that before the end of the podcast. I do think that the players that they've needed to step up on the side have done that. So I gave them a B plus. What do you think? I think I'm. I would go A here. You would go A, and it's funny because early on, remember, it was like Fiala, where are you? And the only again, there's one quibble, and I would still say I think Pontus Aberg has more to his game. Yes, I, I, I still, certainly do. I, as I think well. he can do more, but I think he's starting to, you know, show that. Even when you, you know, uh, you bring off Amika Salamaki, and he comes in and does what he does. Yeah, great preseason. It was very good preseason. You know, Kelly Arncrook. I mean, you know, it's whatever. This stat doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but he leads the team with in plus minus, plus 12. I mean, the guy has 10 goals at the midway point. He's on pace to have 20. That's all we were saying. He's like, well, 
They're going to lose James Neal's 20 goals. And what is, what is this guy going to do? I mean, he's actually on pace to do that along with his versatility. He can play anywhere. You can plug him in anywhere, and you know he's going to be fine. I think that he's just had a tremendous response to all that. And there was a lot of pressure on him. Yes. The fact that a lot of fans were upset about that. Yeah, it was a team-friendly contract. But if you're that player that doesn't, you know, you can't say, hey, hey, I've got a team-friendly contract. Leave me alone. you got to produce. And I think he's really stepped up. And obviously, Craig Smith, um, you know, Emelin has been a good Emelin player. Too, yes. You know, so I, I just think Austin Watson, we just talked about yep. how he just scored twice. I mean, a lot of these guys also take too many penalties. That's <laughs> a problem for this team. But I've, I've got to go A with that. I think it's been tremendous. All right. Well, there you go. Our first, our, our first true peer review. Yes. Well, first of all, is A the highest or is A plus? Because yeah, I like, guess you can go A plus. Yeah, you can go A plus. Because in college, in college, I remember some of the professors didn't give A pluses. Like it was A. Well, in college, it's a it's a four point or three five, right? Yeah. So so yeah, we are so, so you are you? But are you, we if we're doing pluses and minuses on B's, okay. then we can do so it. So you're on gonna A's. go A plus? No, I'm gonna go A. You're just gonna go the, A. Pontus, There's always room. Pontus Aberg could have made it a plus. Pontus Aberg. A. Yeah, he's not Pontus A plus Berg. <laughs> he's just he's Pontus Aberg. Okay, so, yes. very clever. Um, so the so the third of the four groups was consistency. Um, I gave them a B. Um, you know, they had a 16-2-2 run from early November through mid-December, starting with a road victory against the Anaheim Ducks and ending with the sweep through Western Canada of the Vancouver Canucks, Edmonton Oilers, and Calgary Flames. Then they immediately followed it up with a 3-4-2 and two stretch, which I think docked their grade a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, but you have those stretches. It was very interesting to me, especially after the game against Arizona, how the fan base was reacting to the loss. It was not a good loss, trust me. You're dominating a team that's the worst in the league for 55 minutes, and you lose in overtime. But I was getting tweets from fans that were saying that the Predators were looking pathetic. They were looking abysmal. I mean, people seem to forget that a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how this team can't lose. You know, it's just— It happens it, fast. It happens fast. You turn, you, know, you turn on people fast in this business. Um, so ultimately, I, I think that uh, they have time— uh, they, they have time to work this out. It was a big victory against the LA Kings, uh, but I gave them a B just because they have problem areas that they need to correct. They still take way too many penalties. Uh, their play with the lead has gotten better, but still a problem sometimes. Um, and um, you know, early in the season, their starts uh, you know weren't great in terms of uh, you know slow starts, getting outshot, getting outscored sometimes. So I gave them a B. What do you think? Well, I'm going to give them a B plus because at least their problems are consistent too. I yes. mean, they've been in the penalty box all year. You know, uh, I just look in, in an 82 game season. There's no such thing. There are ups and downs for every single team in this league. I think every single NBA and Major League Baseball team too. I mean, it's just no one is going to be truly consistent. And I I think of last year when it was I think quite inconsistent. I mean, pretty big you know roller coaster hills last year. And I think this year. You, you pretty much know what you're going to get in goal every night and from the defense core, and and you know that they're probably going to take more penalties than they should. I mean, they have there's some things to clean up, but they're going to give you a chance to win every night. So I, I would go another half grade higher also there. Okay, and the last one here as we wrap up the podcast is expectations. And I gave them an A-minus. 
uh, because they are where I think they should be. I mean, they're near the top of the league. They're near the top of the central. As I mentioned at the top, for as well as they've been playing, they, they sit here as we record this in third place in the central division. I know they have games in hand on the two teams in front of them, Winnipeg and St. Louis, but they played so well, and yet they if the playoffs started today, as I mentioned, they wouldn't have home ice advantage. Uh, but I do think that they are in a much better position than they were last year. They were in the playoffs at their 41-game mark last year. They're 11 points ahead of their pace uh, from last year at the midseason. Um, and they, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast as well, they have a big chance here, five straight games at home, eight of nine at Bridgestone Arena, to make a big change in terms of where they sit in the standings and and, and, and buoy them, you know, lift themselves above some of these other teams in the, such this cramped it's a cramped league. It's not just the division in the conference, it's the league as well. So just from how much better they've been, how much faster they found they've found their identity this year, I give them an A minus. What do you think? You like the word buoy, don't you? Yeah. Do you I like David Bowie? No, but the, I, the buoy just now is not the proper usage of the word, so I, that's why I changed it. But buoy is a good a, word. It's a good word. All man. right. Anyway. Well, look, I think it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, look, if we're going by Greg Wachinski's expectations, they're an A++++. Plus 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 plus. He right, said they were going to make the playoffs. Make the playoffs. And, but, but you saw that out there. Yes. You saw a wide range. There were some people like, yeah, that team will be right back there. And a lot of people saying, well, that was a cute run, but they were the eight seed. Are they really – maybe reality sets in. And also, I think the expectations have been, I mean, how they've met them have been altered, of course, by David Poyle's latest great deal. Yes. I mean, I think Kyle Turris has had a significant impact, but I'll, I'll just, I'll go with you. I'll, I, I don't want to disagree with you too much. I think A- minus is, is right, okay. right so around. Okay, so end right. on a positive note. So, Joe, thanks for, I know that you've been very busy with lots of different things lately, particularly the Titans. Uh, thank you for sitting in with me, as always, uh, to discuss the local professional hockey team. Of course, the Titans play the Patriots on Saturday night, right? So it's yeah. only inevitable that the Patriots, that the Titans will upset the Patriots in what will be the greatest upset in, a- in AFC playoff history, and the Pittsburgh Steelers will take care of business against the Jacksonville Jaguars, setting up a Nashville versus versus Pittsburgh playoff matchup in the AFC championship game, which we've never seen before in Nashville sports recently. I mean, if the the Titans were to get to Pittsburgh and face the Steelers for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, do you think there's some Predators-related revenge factor there that would work in the Titans' favor? That's a great – and what what kind of catfish may be flying around? I mean, (laughs) there's so many things that could go into this, yeah. From from a purely – I mean, Nashville-Pittsburgh is becoming like a a good sports town rivalry. So I would love to see – I would love to see the Titans upset the Patriots, the Steelers beat the Jags, and the Steelers and the Titans. And the Titans also owe the Steelers one for that Thursday night football debacle. Right. So it and, would be... And it, we all like uh, uh, sandwiches with fries on them, so yes. it's a win-win for all of us. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to the Predators Podcast. I'm Adam Vingan. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Vingan. Joe Rexroad, at Joe Rexroad. Continue to follow our coverage of the Predators, Titans, and college sports, all of which you can, all of which you can find at Tennessee.